You're listening to Book Insights, brought to you by Memoed, finding and simplifying the world's most powerful ideas to fit into your lifestyle. Each episode is a deep dive into a nonfiction bestseller that can change your life or make you think. In around 30 minutes, you'll learn all about a book that offers wisdom for your life, career, or business. So get ready to live and work smarter, better, and happier with Book Insights. Life is full of difficult conversations. Maybe it's a chat with your boss about pay, or a delicate emotional issue you need to hash out with your partner, or some important change you need to get your child on board with. We avoid having this sort of conversation, but when you handle them well, they can transform a relationship. Is there anything we can do to make this less difficult? Simple answer, yes. There's a book that can help us out here, It's called Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most. It grew out of 15 years of work at the Harvard Negotiation Project. This is the same outfit that produced the best-selling negotiation title, Getting to Yes. Here is Sheila Heen, one of the authors, detailing some of the potential audience for her book at a Talks at Google. I also met a woman recently who uses it to teach Argentinian tango which has very subtle signaling. Actually, when couples come to her to learn this together, by the end of the first lesson, they are fighting. Um, So she sends them home with difficult conversations. The authors had a goal to find out how one-on-one communication could be made vastly more effective. They worked with students and professionals on their toughest conversations to produce new techniques for understanding conflict and interaction. They based their work on organizational behavior, cognitive therapies, social psychology, and communication theory, particularly as they relate to communication dynamics within families. Psychologists Aaron Beck, David Burns, and Carl Rogers are mentioned among many influences. The result is a remarkable guide that lets you in on the powerful techniques that have been employed in global scales, bringing opposing sides together and forging new futures. In this book, Insight, we'll discuss the most valuable points in the book. Replacing conflict with a learning conversation. Understanding that difficult conversations are actually three conversations in one. Listening to each other's stories and expressing feelings rather than getting emotional. Taking care to avoid all-or-nothing thinking. What could be a more useful application of psychology than such a book? If you apply its lessons, it could transform your relationships at work or home. So what is a difficult conversation? The book defines it as anything you find difficult to talk about and try to avoid. For example, there are no simple or easy ways to fire someone, end a relationship, confront your mother-in-law, or ask for a raise. A difficult message is like throwing a hand grenade. No matter if it's coated with sugar, thrown hard or soft, it's going to do some damage. You sometimes hear that having tact is the best weapon for a difficult conversation. Another is to be diplomatic. Neither are very good strategies. We can't hope that niceness will ensure all goes smoothly. We need something more. So what's the answer? Instead of throwing hand grenades or delivering messages to people, transform your difficult conversation into a learning conversation. 
Here is Tara Marsink, a trans woman, discussing how her meeting with a conservative talk show host went on her TED Talk. Did I agree with everything he had to say? No. Did he agree with everything I had to say? No. But we met in the middle in an area called respect. Maybe the question we should be asking is, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and get to know them? This new way of communicating requires work to master, but it can dramatically reduce the stress of your people interactions. The learning conversation increases the confidence of all parties involved because you take away blame and replace it with listening. This naturally raises trust and confidence all round. Your conflict morphs into understanding. If we replace learning with command or anger, we'll never understand the source of the issue. The issue isn't resolved, but simmers under the surface. It'll boil over eventually and with worse consequences. The book is based on the idea that each difficult conversation is really three conversations. Above and beyond the actual words that are spoken, these other conversations are mostly internal. They involve our perception of the encounter and what it means to us. Let's look at these internal conversations now. First, the what happened conversation. This occurs when you go through your perceptions of the outcome, who said what, who is to blame, who is right. The problem is, we never question our version of who is right or wrong. Neither do we consider that difficult conversations are about getting the facts right. Essentially, conflicts of perceptions, interpretations, and values are the difficulty of these conversations. But if we shift our attitude from delivering a message to finding out how the other person sees things differently, the conversation immediately becomes less heavy and emotionally barbed. Instead of offering our interpretation of the truth, we offer it as a perception. Second, the feelings conversation. This internal conversation will spark the following kinds of questions. How do I feel about what was said? Were the other person's feelings valid? Are my feelings valid? What should I do if the other person is angry or hurt? Many feelings enter into a conversation but aren't expressed. When two people are talking, there's a parallel conversation going on in their minds concerning their feelings about the interaction. If feelings cloud judgment and make things uncomfortable, Shouldn't we try to steer clear of feelings altogether? Should we then just try to stick to the facts? While this sounds nice, leaving feelings out of the difficult conversations is like having an opera without music. You get the plot, sure, but totally miss the point. Difficult conversations don't just involve feelings, they're about feelings at their core. Finally, the identity conversation. This internal conversation is about self-image or self-esteem. Does the conversation shake our sense of who we are? Has the conversation made us suddenly feel we are a bad person or incompetent or a traitor? If you're having a meeting with your boss and you request a raise, you get nervous. Why? Getting the raise or not will involve your boss's and your own consideration of your value. It's not just about the money. It's about you. When you're the boss and have to fire someone, what does this say about you as a person? That you're a heartless jerk? Firing someone is only partly about them. It's also about you. 
Just being aware of the identity conversation you have with yourself can have a great effect on your difficult conversations. If you know and admit that it's also about your self-image, you're less likely to lose your balance on an emotional level. We'll pause for now, but before we do, let's go over what we've learned. When you understand that difficult conversations are actually three conversations going on at once, and when you're aware of their pitfalls, the authors believe you'll shift the focus of your conversations. They become less about right or wrong and more about learning what the real issue is. Most difficult conversations involve a strong element of pointing the finger, but all this does is create more conflict, denial, and incorrect judgments. Blame can only ever cloud the matter, preventing us from finding out what went wrong and how things can be made right. The alternative to blame is contribution. Instead of trying to find out where to point the finger, we should work to discover what contributed to the problem. This shifts focus from the persons to the issues involved. Our stance turns from proving a point or putting someone in their place to curiosity. Next time, we'll conclude our discussion on difficult conversations. We'll discuss how to listen to others' stories and how to express feelings apart from emotions. Then we'll cover how to avoid all-or-nothing thinking. Enjoying this episode of Book Insights? If so, keep listening and learning. There's a collection of over 100 titles you can read or listen to now at memodapp.com slash insights. That's M-E-M-O-D-A-P-P dot com slash insights. As incredible as the research the Harvard Negotiation Project put into their book, they could not have predicted what communication is like today. Nigel, you're a fraud. Moments of drama, an indication of the high stakes when Remain campaigners photobombed the carefully stage-managed leave event. We're not in an easy time for having difficult conversations. We've got a mountain of progress to climb before we remember how to listen to one another. And after that, it's another Everest until we figure out how understanding works again. We're wrapping up our discussion on difficult conversations, how to discuss what matters most. Previously, we've gone over how to replace conflict with learning conversations. Then we learned how difficult conversations are often three different conversations wrapped up in one. Now we'll cover how to listen to one another's stories. Then we'll end with how to avoid all or nothing thinking. To get from blame to contribution involves first, listening. How does the other person see the situation? What happened to form that perception? Normally, we don't care to notice how other people see the world differently to us. It's only when crucial conversations arise that we see how we diverge on fundamental perceptions, how their story is different to ours. It's vital that we acknowledge that we do have different stories if we're ever to reach common ground. We always think the other person is the problem. They're selfish, irrational, naive, or whatever. But maybe they think we're the problem. One of the book's rules is, people never change without first feeling understood. Telling someone to do something makes it less likely they will. Understanding may just break down their wall of resistance. Here's an example. 
Trevor is annoyed that Karen is not handing in her paperwork on time. Karen will only consider this important if Trevor stops to understand why she might be doing it. When they do sit down to talk about it, Trevor finds out she's not being late with the paperwork because she's lazy or spiteful. She has to put her demanding clients first. She, in turn, hears from Trevor how non-submission of the paperwork causes him all sorts of problems. When they're understanding one another, they're in a position to work something out, but not before. To get anywhere in a disagreement, we need to understand the other person's story well enough to see how their conclusions make sense within it. But won't there be times when you know you're right and the other person is wrong? Are you not right if you're trying to stop your daughter from smoking? Perhaps, but in many situations, being right isn't the issue. Your daughter knows smoking is bad for her as much as you do. The conflict may be more about getting rid of her good girl image and becoming more independent. Once the daughter feels that her change in identity is understood and recognized, she may quit smoking. This outlook is reminiscent of Stephen Covey's fifth habit in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Here's Dr. Covey himself giving you the gist. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. The tendency in almost all people initially is to want to be understood, or if they do seek to understand, they seek with the intent to reply. Covey tells us that without empathy, there's no influence. Without deposits in the emotions bank of relationships, there's no trust. Genuine listening gives precious psychological air to the other person and opens a window into their soul. Careful expression of feelings is a vital part of this and is central to the difficult conversation. Here are a few points of wisdom from the book. Don't confuse being emotional with clearly expressing emotions. You don't have to express the actual feeling, only the fact that you had the feeling. It's very hard for some people to begin a sentence or conversation with the words, I feel, but saying them may make the other person really listen. If we try to suppress how we feel during the conversation, that feeling tends to come out anyway through a change in your voice tone, body language, and facial expression. Don't disavow the feelings you have. They're real. Be aware that good people can have bad feelings. Your feelings are as important as others' feelings. Yet when you deny yourself their significance, you can sabotage your relationships. For example, if you have buried anger for your spouse, you will not be able to love them properly again until it is expressed. Difficult conversations are a threat to our identity. Their scariness comes not only from having to face an issue with another person, but from facing the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. Self-image is hardwired to our adrenal response, this explains why we feel a rush of anxiety, anger, or a sudden desire to flee, anything rather than alter our cherished self-perception. Here's an example. We go to the boss to ask for a raise, and she says no. Turns out she has questions about our performance this year. Our horror at being rejected can bring one of two attitudes. One, defiance. We wish to defend ourselves and our record. Or two, acquiescence. Simply agreeing and internally saying, yes, boss, you are so right. I'm a miserable worker and don't deserve a raise. Both responses involve all-or-nothing thinking. 
We're either saint or devil, excellent at what we do or incompetent. We deserve much love or none at all. All or nothing thinking imperils our sense of identity, making us vulnerable to every little criticism. But this debilitating type of thinking, which comes into play in difficult conversations, isn't based on reality. Rarely are we one extreme or the other. These reactions oversimplify the world. The answer is to complexify our identity. This means appreciating that while we may have come up short on some projects this year, others were outstanding. Overall, we believe we deserve a raise. Remember that difficult conversations are a fantastic opportunity to get closer to the truth and to learn from experiences. Instead of going in there to deliver the message, I want a raise, say, I wonder if it would make sense if my salary was increased. It's not a demand, so the boss doesn't become defensive, and you're not vulnerable to rejection either. You're both exploring and getting information about the situation. Therefore, whatever the outcome is, neither will feel hijacked. At the very least, you'll have learned something. You may think all this listening and exploring other people's stories will make you soft. Instead, it'll ensure you're more powerful and effective. If you're aware of what's on a person's mind or how they're perceiving something, it's difficult to be in conflict with them. With these techniques, you can turn enemies into allies or at least improve situations in which there's mistrust or ill will. We've only touched on some of the issues and techniques raised in the book, Difficult Conversations. This book is great to keep and refer to when you have an important talk coming up. The most refreshing thing about difficult conversations is the lack of any manipulative techniques. Its aim isn't to teach you psychological tricks to get people into agreeing to what you want. The point is to change the whole atmosphere of each party's needs and desires, which leads to new appreciation and understanding. As wrong assumptions and blame are taken out of the equation, what's left is the truth. Thank you for listening to Book Insights. Check out the rest of our content at memodap.com. Please keep in mind that the information provided in or through our Book Insights episodes is for educational and informational purposes only. It's not intended to be a substitute for advice given by qualified professionals and should not be relied upon to disregard or delay seeking professional advice. Thank you.